Cat Disgusted is a show about veterinary nursing. It is not a show about how to cure your sick pet. If your animal is sick, take it to the vet. Don't be a crazy person and use a podcast to cure your puking cat, dog, chinchilla, etc., etc. I think they would tell you the same thing. If they could. Which they can't. Which makes it hard. You know what's up. Take them to the vet. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for the best of times and the worst of times in veterinary nursing. What the hell are we doing? Well, it's Chihuahua snapping feral cats flailing all while working with the baddest bitches in the business. I'm your host, Nicole Dickerson, RBT, and this... It's how our week went. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Summertime Emergencies. Um, We're in the thick of it right now. Um, I know I mentioned we were busy before in the last show that we did. Uh, yeah, that hasn't changed. It's continued to be busy. Um, in the veterinary emergency room and we are now in the beginning of August like literally day one today in the beginning of August and the summer's going to be hot and it's going to be crazy and I figure we're going to just get right to it and talk about um, the annoyance of dog owners which is foxtails. Uh, that is a big one for the summer and I feel like the best way to introduce this summertime cray is by talking about my dear surgeon who I work with quite a few times over the weekend. Like I feel like we kind of do the nutso Saturday on call surgeries uh, through emergency and this last Saturday was no different. Uh, me and this fellow were trapped in back to back surgeries together and you know just conversating like you do over an open abdomen in the OR. He tells me he's going to work an emergency shift on a Sunday. I'm like, Are you going to be there? I'm like, hell no, I ain't going to be there. You should have talked to me first. Uh, but he, out of the kindness of his heart, because we have two doctors that are on vacation right now, decided that he was going to cover a daytime emergency doctor shift, our board certified surgeon. There are not a lot of board certified surgeons out there who will volunteer their time for that. But he was. we were talking about, you know, what can I expect? You know, what are we going to see? And I was like, well, how do you feel about block cats? Mm, how do you feel about lacerations? Oh, I got that. Lac- oh, yeah, lacerations. I, I, oh, yeah, I'll fix that, of course. Um, and then I was like, how about foxtails? Oh, that sounds hard, right? They can be hard, but they can also be very, very satisfying because you take the evil thing out and then you're done. Uh, So what we'll do today is we'll talk about foxtails. We'll talk about what they are, where they go, and how they make our lives difficult. These things are such a bitch. So mostly for dog owners, they are such a bitch, but they can be a bitch for cat owners too. Uh, So what 
are foxtails. So we're going to get a little bit nerded out on plant stuff for a second. They're also called uh, grass-ons. They are really the seed pods of a certain type of grass. And there's a bunch of different species of foxtail, which I, I feel like I kind of knew in the back of my head. But when I like Googled foxtail species, this freaking list comes up that's like crazy long. And they're from there's like ones that are originated in Africa. There's invasive species in California. Um, they're in the Great Plains or on the West Coast, but not really the East Coast as much, which explains like this big kind of vortexy hole of knowledge, which happens with veterinary technicians who don't deal with these on a daily basis. Uh, but so the, 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 the grass on itself or the foxtail that we deal with itself is a piece of the plant. So you kind of see them, you can see why they're called foxtails. I mean, they look like the tail of a fox and they're kind of on the end of, uh, of the grass stalk and they become a problem for us when they're dried out because then those seed pods are going to disperse. Um, diaspore is the, uh, the fancy name for that like diaspora, like, you know, people who are like, you, you know, have to flee their country, which I thought was kind of cool. Latin roots. Good. Um, the one that's most common in California, and I'm probably going to mispronounce this, but it's Hordium murinum. And that's the one that we see the most. Not to say that plant material of other types of, of plants can't get stuck in the orifice of animals, because they totally do. Uh, but the, that's the one that we see the most. And it's also called, I thought this was a good little description for those who haven't seen it. It's also called wild barley, uh, because it does look like, I mean, it looks like wheatgrass, you know. Well, not wheatgrass like this type that you like, you know, clip off with the scissors and put in your smoothie. But it looks like wheat that you harvest for to make the bread that makes sense. So the times that I find uh, and that I feel like most technicians find gets really hairy with these foxtails is when we have a really rainy period followed by a really hot period, which is exactly what we kind of had this last season. So the foxtails went crazy. And it's because, you know, all the rain falling on all the, all, like the, the moist ground, making lots and lots of grasses super, super happy. And so then the grasses grow like crazy. And then in the summer, um, when the heat comes, they dry out. And when they dry out, those seed pods disperse and they go everywhere. They're in, like, if you go walk outside my house right now, they're in the gutters of the street. Um, they're blowing around on the sidewalks. Our backyard, ugh, it's kind of embarrassing. Like on the top tier of our backyard is just a freaking field of foxtails. And can I just say, it is like, a freaking universe miracle that little outdoor kitty has not ha oh my god i'm knocking on wood like a crazy person do you hear it knocking on the wood knocking that our outdoor kitty has not had any kind of sitch with foxtails i think she's actually kind of careful out there i don't see her out in the bush a whole lot so most like i mentioned before you know the west coast and the plains is mostly in the u.s where we're seeing it now i had um posted this picture on this wonderful Facebook group page. If you're not part of it, you totally should be, even if you're not. A, well, if you're a vet tech, you're going to get more out of it. It's a it's called ER Vet Tech Rounds, and it's a, it's a Facebook group for veterinary technicians who work in emergency and critical care, and you can post pictures of things. You can ask questions of the hive mind of veterinary technicians all over the world and literally all over the world. Like there's some people who are members in London and in New Zealand. I posted a picture of these two dachshunds which in their infinite wisdom enjoyed eating foxtails off of the ground. And so they had been routinely 
uh, sedated at their regular vet to have foxtails removed from uh, their mouths and specifically their tonsillar crypt. So there's a little pocket behind dogs' tonsils where things like to get caught up, especially foxtails. And so when you opened these little dachshunds' mouths, it just looked like cheerleader pom-poms, like frills on either, almost like gills, actually, now that I think about it. Gills on the inside of their mouth of these foxtail plumes coming from either direction, like almost blocking their airway. And so I posted this picture of these dogs and we pulled 30 foxtails total, like maybe like 15, 16 out of each dog's mouth. And someone in England, I think it was, uh, posted this little question that said, what's a foxtail? Oh my God. There was like this onslaught of responses to that picture where everybody was explaining like, you know, what they are, where they are, where they're, where they are working as technicians that they see them all the time. So it's interesting. Oh, and we have technicians from, um, from New York who work at uh, my hospital and they totally are like, oh yeah, before I came to California, never saw those things. So lucky, lucky us. These seed pods are terribly efficient, meaning that they disperse themselves like freaking champs. They're everywhere. They're super light so they can travel. Uh, they're a little bit sticky so they get caught in like, you know, pant legs on your shoes. You can track them into your house. Um, I routinely pick them up off the floor in our house because our backyard is littered with them. Uh, the thing about them is they're, they're arrow shaped, right? So they've got a little tiny little hard end on one end and then their fluffy tail end on the other. And it literally is manufactured to move in one direction. So once they're caught in like fur or they're caught in toes uh, or in your clothing, they stick there like a little arrow and then they don't really go anywhere because backing them out is like they're, they're all their all their little furries are all going in one direction. So you really have to kind of force it to get it out the other way. So what that means is they get caught in places uh, like ears, nose, in your toes, because those are all kind of these like little crevices where they can just go one direction and then just just totally stuck. So those are the most common places that we see them, ears, nose, and toes. Uh, the ear, you can tell because usually dogs, poor thing, comes in with its head all tilted, it's pawing at its ear, it's shaking its head, it's whining. Um, the nose is unmistakable. I remember I got in so much trouble when I was little because I was walking our golden retriever and I let her sniff in this bush and all of a sudden she came out going, huff, huff, huff. And her nostril is like literally, she looks like she looks like they're hiking their nostril all the way up to their eyeball. Like she's like just, Urgh! and it was because she sniffed a foxtail into her nose. Uncontrollable sneezing, the poor thing. Sometimes you'll see some blood sprays because it's like, you know, it's irritating and inflamed in there. Uh, and the toes, I feel like the toes are, are really annoying because you don't always find them, but it can cause this horrible like lesion in there, especially furry dogs. So if you have a big furry fluff ball, um, the hair that is on their feet will just suck up foxtails and they get stuck in between their toes uh, and they just kind of burrow into their skin. It's horrible. They just, they, we call it like a, we call it a draining tract because you'll see a little hole in between their toes and it's draining sometimes pus or fluid. It's swollen, it's purple, it's bruised, it's really uncomfortable. And the reason why that we call it a tract is because that foxtail has literally migrated all the way 
up their skin. Sometimes it's like, you know, it could be up to like three inches long, that hole that's going in there. And you got to sedate these poor guys and dig around in there and open it up and see if you find a foxtail, which is the source of all of, of the evil that you're looking at. Uh, if you shave your dog's furry feet, that prevents that type of thing from happening. Not 100%, but it can absolutely help. Uh, it can absolutely help getting things caught in there. So less, less common places that foxtails go. So skin and eyes, I'm going to say that the less common because I feel like, um, you know, usually you'll, the skin ones, uh, you'll hopefully catch it in their fur before it starts causing a problem, but it can totally blow up on you if you don't, if you're not careful. And then the eyes, you know, the, I feel like the, the eyes are a little bit further back than the nose. You know, dogs root around and on the ground with their nose and that's why immediately they sniff it up and their, the ears kind of hang down around their face and the, the fur on the ears can kind of like suck up the foxtails into their ear canals which is terrible, but that's totally what happens. Um, their eyes, I feel like they can kind of like close in the gla- in the grasses. That's my theory anyway, so that we don't see as many of those, but we do totally see it. And uh, what happens when they have the skin ones, uh, the skin guys, ugh, usually it's like my dog has this lump and it wasn't there a few days ago. And it literally is a foxtail that's burrowed its way underneath their skin and has carried with it a bunch of bacteria and has formed a big swollen abscess. And so same, it's like a, it's like a, um, same thing as fixing a cat abscess. You have to drain it. You have to flush it out really, really well with saline. We have totally seen, this is the classic sitch, is that dog comes in with this like swollen on its side or cat comes in with big swelling on its side and you lance the abscess and then you drain it of all its fluid and right at the end, right at the end of your flushing, boop, out comes this like gross, soggy little foxtail. Oh, there you are. There's the problem. Um, the eyes. So when you do get one in your eye, ooh, does that suck? And it's immediately apparent because the poor animal is like and all winky. They paw at it like crazy. It scratches the bejesus out of their cornea 99% of the time. Um, but the eyes, sometimes you don't have to sedate them. You can just go ahead and numb it locally with a drug that we have called Proparacaine, uh, which numbs your eyeball. It's the thing that they put in your eye when they're doing the glaucoma test a lot of time, for those of you who've been to uh, ophthalmologists. And then we can go in with a sterile pair of hemostats or a sterile pair of tweezers. And you can usually see that foxtail right away and just boop and just pluck it out of there. Uh, but they definitely have to go home with eye meds. And same thing, you have to flush. It's a good thing to flush it out of there because they carry with it all this bacteria and grossness. Uh, which brings me to my, my next grossness of the foxtail. They can go much deeper inside the body than you want to believe. So... My favorite inside foxtail story is from tech school, actually. It was the year before I started veterinary technician school. Uh, They had a cat that they spayed there that had a pyometra. That is super rare to have a cat with a pyometra. Like surprisingly, cats' reproduction and their reproductive cycle and all that is very self-sufficient. Like it's it's rare that you have to deal with a cat C-section or a dystocia or uh, a pyometra. They took this cat's uterus out, and lo and behold, in that pus-filled uterus was a frickin' foxtail. Ugh! It had worked its way all the way up there. So, I'm telling you, one direction. (laughs) Just like the band. (laughs) That's where that foxtail's going. One way.
So I talked about the nose foxtail. So both the nose and ears, uh, the ears, you have to sedate them and use a really long forceps to get, get it out of there because very rarely will you have a dog that's so good that it's going to let you dig in their ear with a big long thing. And you also don't want to move it around on you because you don't want to puncture their eardrum. Uh, with the nose, same thing. I mean, anybody who's had anything in their nose that shouldn't be there. I mean, like, can you imagine having a freaking grass on dancing around in there? Terrible. But if you sedate them, and you uh, use an otoscope cone, the same thing that we look into ears, we can look in the nose, you can usually see what you're going for. You can They're difficult to see. I mean, I've only really looked in a nose for a foxtail maybe once, and man, it is hard to see because it's usually bloody in there and inflamed, but you do see little tiny, like almost like little tentacles of foxtail bits, and then you can grab onto one of those with a long forcep called an alligator forcep, because that's what it looks like, uh, and grab that little guy, pull it out. The thing about the nose foxtails is that if it's, if it goes beyond the turbinates, like the turbinates are the inside of the dog's uh, noses into their sinus cavity. Uh, If it goes beyond those little bony structures in there, there's a lot of places that are really bad that it can go that we can't get to in an emergency room. One is the lungs. Um, they can also inhale foxtail. I mean, like you can inhale it through their mouth. It's rare, but that can happen. Uh, but it can travel deep into sinuses. That foxtail can travel into their lungs. And when that happens, they can get really, really sick. So uh, they can form abscesses in their lungs from the foxtail being in there, a bit of foreign material just sitting there causing problems. Um, they can, the foxtail can travel with not only bacteria, but it can travel with fungus. And we see dogs that have had foxtails that have landed up in their sinuses uh, get uh, or and then we get them out. We can get these these foxtails out with endoscopy uh, if we if they're in their sinuses. Like I've talked about endoscopy before. A wonderful internal medicine department who threads that camera with the light in there. They can pluck it out of there. But what you can't see is uh, fungus. You can't see the spores, but they're in there. So when that happens, when those spores take a hold, there's a type of fungus called aspergillus, and we live with aspergillus every day of our lives. It's just in the environment, like you've probably got it on yourself right now, but we all have good immune systems. And so we can normally fight that off pretty well, or at least flush it out with sneezes and coughs and secretions, which is what's supposed to happen. Now, if you have a foxtail that's loaded with that sucker that blasts its way into your sinuses, I mean, that's like inoculating your mucous membranes with fungus, and it does not always go away. And when that happens, then you have to have an antifungal treatment in your sinuses. It's as bad as it sounds. Um, These poor dogs, they have like consistent and profuse nasal discharge and irritation, sometimes bleeding. Um, they like are just co- congested and no antibiotics are helping. And that's when you have to culture up there, like put a little culturette up there. And if it comes back as fungus, oh, suck. So what they can do, they can do uh, a trephination and inoculation with clotrimazole. It's kind of as scary as it sounds. <laughs> so trephination is a great word. That means drilling a hole in your head. And if you listen to one of my favorite podcasts called Sawbones, their little catchphrase is don't drill a hole in your head. Well, unless you're a veterinarian who's treating a dog for aspergillus in its sinuses, then you can totally drill a hole in their head. <laughs> so they have to go under general anesthesia. 
what they're doing is they're filling their sinus cavities with a an antifungal cream. And so they will put holes, uh, I think they are just above kind of where their eyes are generally. And then they'll thread red rubber catheters, which are these long red tubes into each one of those sinuses. And then they will fill it with a syringe of cream, this like antifungal cream, almost the same that you would put like on athlete's foot. Like it's the same drug category. All the zoles are all antifungals. This is clotrimazole. And then they leave it there to sit in that space and kill all the fungus. These poor guys, they come into CCU and they're, you know, looking like a, like a Robin Hood monk with all of their top of their head shaved and little wounds where the, where the drilling was, where the red rubber catheters are, were, they take the catheters out. These guys, they actually do really, really well. Um, I know it sounds scary, but they do recover. Um, the thing that's messy about it is that that cream is going to drain through their nose. They're going to sneeze. There's going to be blood. There's going to be gook. But all of that's intentional because when they're doing that, it's distributing all of that antifungal stuff all over where it needs to be, where the problems are. Uh, we see this happen in long nose dogs, otherwise called dolichocephalic dogs, as opposed to brachycephalic dogs, and we've talked a lot about brachycephalic dogs, that the short-faced guys that can't breathe. The dolico guys, their faces are so long that their body encapsulates lots of things that shouldn't be there, like aspergillus. And so you tend to see these in collies. Um, it was a golden retriever, the last one that I'm thinking of. German shepherds, they get that they get that type of fungal infection too. Uh, so that's kind of worst case worst case scenario in foxtail world. This is why you want to have your animal treated for a possible foxtail exposure right away. It doesn't make sense to sit at home and watch your dog be miserable. People call the ER and they're like, yeah, he's like sneezing and like, can I wait till tomorrow? Well, sure. I mean, you can wait till tomorrow, but why? Like, I mean, it's uncomfortable. They're probably going to keep you up all night by sneezing like crazy or shaking their head like crazy. Dogs can actually get uh, the ear thing that can happen if you don't treat it is a, a ear hematoma. If you have a dog that has a floppy ear um, and they get a foxtail in their ear that migrates into their ear canal and they're shaking their head all the time, that floppy ear is just whack, 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 like on the top and the bottom of their head. And it gets bruised like you would think by whacking something over and over again. And that bruise is like, you know, that's burst blood vessels. Well, there's not a lot of room in their ear for that blood to go. So it just collects and makes this big swelling in their ear, which is also painful. And then also has to be dealt with, which means it has to be drained. If it clots in there, it can kind of deform their ear for the rest of their life. Cause it's like, it just kind of like sits there and makes this big clot, which is then walled off in the tissue of their ear. Um, you'll see feral cats that have ear hematomas too, from like cat fights or, or things being in their ear. I mean, they could do the same thing. So y you want to get it dealt with right away. Uh, you don't want a foxtail to migrate into a terrible place. Lest we not forget poor little Pyometra kitty. So there is another place that those foxtails can go. They can go in the boo-boo places. You can see vulvar 
foxtails. You can actually see foxtails in the prepuce of male dogs. Um, if your dog's licking back there a whole lot or is irritated back there, um, that is also worth taking it to the veterinarian to have a look because that's how that poor little foxtail got into that kitty's uterus was it it went in one way and it moved in one direction right so how do we stop these plants from making our summers miserable well the way that the the best <laughs> the best way to prevent foxtails much like pregnancy is abstinence, <laughs> prevention. Uh, you just don't want to deal with them at all. So it does involve when it's not the summer, like before the summer, when it is still kind of the wet season and the ground is kind of soft out there and you can weed really easily. That's the time to do it. Um, I actually, uh, in some of my research about this, found that because the roots for grasses are, you know, fairly, not super deep, but like fairly deep underground, if you're like doing burning, like slash and burn type of thing, uh, like sometimes happens on big properties like farms, controlled burns, that kind of thing, it doesn't actually get rid of those grasses entirely. Like because the roots are still there, they're to they can totally come back and they can still make your summer awful. Because uh, I, I feel like it's not just dogs and cats that deal with these. I mean, like if you've got a bunch of foxtails on your acreage on your farm. I mean, they can they can annoy your cattle. They can annoy your horses. I'm sure that there. I mean, I don't have any immediate experience with it, but I'm sure that type of skin abscess thing that we see with dogs and cats and foxtails. I'm sure that happens with uh, farm animals too. Imagine a sheep. Oh my God, poor sheep walking around in a field full of foxtails. I mean, it's like you wouldn't even see the sheep anymore. You just see like this like kind of bouquet of foxtails coming at you with little hooves. So. The prevention is the best thing. Weed and get rid of all that stuff while it's still green and not when it's dry. Because even if you're weeding, oh my God, my, fa my, my favorite is when somebody weed wax their front yard and then does the leaf blower. So it's like not only have they like decapitated all of the freaking foxtails, they're then going to blow them all around the neighborhood. So yeah, that sucks. So don't be that person. Um, deal with it when they're still green in your yard and get rid of them then and pull them up and then uh, you'll have far less of a problem. Probably not 100%, but less of a problem. There are some products out there now that they have for foxtail prevention in dogs. And it, one of them is like this kind of crazy looking thing. It's like a net for their face. So it's kind of like, like almost like a bubble helmet, except it's this really fine mesh. And so these dogs wear... Uh, this is going to be like a bit of a theater reference, but those, those Boon Raku Japanese puppet guys who are just like all in the black. And then like they wear this big black hood over their face and you don't see their head at all. That's kind of what this is, except that it's a fine mesh that these dogs wear and then it clips on their collar. And that way they're kind of walking through uh, the hills on their walk with this mesh net all around their head and it covers their entire face. So nose, eyes, ears, all totally, um, in this bubble net. And they generally don't mind. Like, you know, we have these hills that are behind our house uh, where my partner goes walking with her friend and her dog. And luckily her dog hasn't had a problem this summer. Again, knock on the wood all over the place. Uh, but they routinely see dogs that have these net things on their heads running around, playing like normal, looking great. So I think that's a good option if you're going to be in places where you know these foxtails are going to be. It doesn't help with the feet. You know, I feel like 
that's a bit of a harder thing, but you can absolutely check your dog after your walks. You can check your cat. If you have an outdoor cat that comes home for a dinner every night, just do a little once over. Like it's amazing. If you just pass your hands over their body, I can't tell you how many times, like when I'm feeding um, little outdoor kitty, when I'm feeding Flynn and she's got her head in the cat food dish that I'm like running my hands over her body and picking out burrs. I've picked out foxtails like on her tail, you know, just kind of doing a little plant material check. Um, You'll get them between the toes if you had a good boy that will just stay there and just lay on its belly while you give belly rubs and you can check their feet. That would be really great. Um, And that way you can find any kind of problems before it starts. Because if you grab them before they migrate into the tissue, that's great. That's the best. They don't cause any harm that way. They're just annoying. Um, Even in their ears, like if you got a floppy dog, floppy ear dog, um, then you can, you know, look underneath their ears after a walk and like you'll see underneath their ears that they sweep up foxtails. You can just get them then before they go into their ear canals. Ooh, that would save you some money because otherwise, you know, it's not a terribly expensive problem to sedate them and pick at them, but you know, it's an inconvenience in your life. You have to leave the animal in the hospital. We'll usually give them an injection of a pain medication and a sedative combination, uh, and then they'll be uh, sedated for, you know, an hour or so while we dig around and get the foxtails out, and then they go home. So it's not without its risks to do that, of course. It's best if you can catch the problem before it starts. But don't go into their eyeballs, though. Like, that's leave that to your white coat because you don't want to, like, be in their eyeballs with tweezers. We put numbing solution in there. We're very careful. We use multiple hands to keep them still if they're not sedated. Like, just don't do it. Just don't go towards your dog's eyes with the tweezers. That just, I mean, it sounds like a bad idea, right? It is one. Um, noses, too. Oh, my God. Some odors I've heard, they'd be like, I saw it in their nose and I should have grabbed it. It's really hard hard to grab out of their nose. And like, again, very soft and delicate tissues. Don't go digging your dog's face. Those are that's kind of your bitey parts too. And like, you know, my bitey parts might get you if you were coming towards my nostrils with a pair of tweezers. I'm just saying. So thank you so much, everybody, for taking time out of your summer uh, to listen to me talk about foxtails. Uh, hopefully you don't have to deal with it this summer. But if you do, um, I, I hope I've made it a, maybe a little bit more uh, a little bit easier to understand at the where the whys and the and, and the hows and the whatses and the oh dear God let's hope that doesn't happens is of of foxtails in our lives here on the West Coast in California. So I will leave you with none other than uh, the folks who have the theme song of foxtails. They only go one direction. Have a happy summer, you guys. We'll get one more episode in before the end of it. Um, remember, please. I mean, come to me if you have to, but really, don't come see me at work. I leave my heart open, but it stays right here empty for days. She told me in the morning she don't feel the same about us in her bones. Seems to me that when I die, these words will be written on my stone. And I'll be gone, gone tonight The ground beneath my feet